These are real stories. Real stories? Yeah, these are real stories I've heard. So, you've heard them, but that doesn't make them true stories. Well, these are just real stories that I've heard. How much truth is in a story? That's a good question. Keep listening to the Real Stories Podcast. And find out. Welcome, podcast listeners, to episode one of the Real Stories Podcast with Graham and Brian. In today's episode, Brian and I are just going to introduce ourselves and the area we live in and talk a little bit about why we think there's a lot to be learned from all the real stories that we've heard throughout our lives and that we've been told by our grandparents and stories that we've read in in books and in some of the periodicals in our area. We think that there's a lot to be learned from stories about people, stories about real life, and stories about just sometimes the mundane. And we hope that you agree, and we hope that you find these stories interesting. And we hope that all of you can learn from these real stories. Hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, so okay, Brian and I are from Northern Ohio, from Wyandotte County, Ohio. Both of us, I was born in Wyandotte County, Ohio. I was born in Fremont, uh, which, uh, which, which now is Fremont, but <laughs> uh, years ago was known as... Uh, it's the like, home of Rutherford B. Hayes. Yeah. It's the adult home of Rutherford B. Hayes. I think Rutherford B. Hayes was born in Cincinnati, but grew up in Fremont. Everybody He's like was, you. You were born in Fremont, but grew up in Wyandotte County. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but it used to be called Lower Sandusky. Yes. Agreed. So you just went, you went, you came up the river. I went up river. Yeah. Maybe a, uh, an easy explanation right now would be that we're, we, we do now live around uh, the, the city uh, that we live in and around is Upper Sandusky, Ohio. Right. And it is called Upper Sandusky, Ohio, because it's, it's at near the headwaters of the Sandusky River. Even though it's south. Even though it's south, because we're just north of the north-south continental divide. And our river runs north into Lake Erie. It doesn't run into the Ohio River, which is right. only a few rivers. The famous Cuyahoga River is one of them <laughs> that flows north into Lake Erie. Maumee, Ashtabula. Yeah. I think there's a river there. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and the Sandusky, the, well, the Blanchard River flows into the Maumee and then into... There's a big one up there, though. The Auglaise. Auglaise, yeah. Yeah. So, and we're not looking at maps, by the Rocky way. Rocky River. Are, this is how genius we are. We, so we just know eight some rivers. rivers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we... We remember eight rivers. Yeah. So we do live in this town, and it's named after a river um, that was inhabited for at least uh, uh, maybe a couple hundred years by the Wyandotte Indians. Um and has been Wyandotte County officially since 1846. So it's not like super old, but it's kind of old enough to be cool. It's pretty gold rush. So yeah, so we live in this, it's a small town. Uh, I think classic small town, almost like Americana is where we live. We're a Norman Rockwell town. It is. <clears throat> and you know, that's not to say there's no problems. Yeah. There are problems everywhere. If you're listening to this podcast, there are people living around you who are messed up and not great. If you're listening to this podcast and you're in somewhere within 100 miles of the Indiana-Ohio border and on north of I-70, you probably know exactly where we live because your town is very similar. Yeah. Like these are, these are very normal demographics that we live in. 
flyover uh, country. It's flyover country, yep. but it's beautiful, and you know everybody, and it's somewhat safe, yeah. uh, mostly. And, and I think you know everybody is a bit, I don't know, I teach high school here. And then still don't know everyone. Sure. I, but but people do look familiar. It's stretched. There's yeah. The, yeah, it's a stretch. But still, it's it's a familiar town. Yeah. We all, I, know, we all know it. it. It's not uncommon to go into a store and know one person in there. You just don't know everybody in there. Right. <laughs> anyway, we're in Upper. Yeah. Uh, it's a great place. Um, there's history here. There's not old, old history. Well, there is, but we don't know much about it. Um, but there is cool history in our town. Certain, in our certainly in the 1600s, the Wyandotte Indians moved into this area. Before that, it was largely un, unpopulated. So yeah. we do have a Wyandotte uh, Indian uh, heritage, I, I guess. Like, Graham and I don't have the heritage. We're probably right. both German. but We're not talking our genetic heritage. Yeah. But the, this area is definitely... Certainly the area is... is, is and, since, heavily influenced by the since I've been in grade school, uh, reverence for the Native American, the Native people of this county, I feel like have always been respected. I I think so too. That that's surprising. That you know, funny you say that because that is one thing that, uh, you, you know, I don't I don't know that the same could be said for all of the races, uh, but there has always been a very interesting respect for native american cultures absolutely so, which makes us probably similar in scope to even into canada into ontario because right, which is where the wyandots were from came from ontario the huron yeah sure yeah yeah the wendat yeah yeah and uh yeah you know what there's a good story when we were in toronto i remember seeing uh like a historical marker for the the yendot yeah. you know Y E N D O T. And I had not made that connection that, oh, this, oh, yeah, we're well, Lake Huron. Yeah. And here we are. Oh, yeah. The Huron Indians, Wyandots are part of the Huron culture. Sure. And so, anyway, yeah. So the Wyandot Indians are around here. I think that we could tell some, or at least try to learn some really good stories about the Wyandot Indians. I think it would be really cool if we could get Wyandotte Indians to come here on because well they do come here and you and I know this so yeah I was I was going to give a little background here so so I and I I may get this wrong I don't know but I think that they come here because we have an old mission church which was one of the first uh Methodist missions the first Methodist mission west of the Appalachian Mountains was it really yes yeah, the old mission. Uh, so John Stewart, the burned over district. John Stewart in Marietta, in like 1814, had like a epiphany mm-hmm. where God told him to come into the wilderness. Yeah, and uh, started a mission here in 1819, um, and it's now known as the Wyandot Mission. I'm sure it was just called the Mission Church because at the time it was a Wyandot Indian reservation. And the we, Wyandots were they knew about Catholicism. But not, you know, probably not. They probably knew about Protestantism. Yeah. And um, but John Stewart came here, William Walker and a guy named Jonathan Pointer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jonathan Pointer was a runaway slave who had been like adopted as a child by the Wyandots. So he spoke English and Wyandot. He translated all of John Stewart's 
uh, you know, ministries or whatever. What do you call it? The sermons. Sermons. You know, translated his sermons to the wine dots, and some of them converted. Certainly not all of them. Sure. Uh, Warpole was one of the non-converts, you know. But then there's some sweet names, Chief Between the Logs. I yep. mean, and you know what? When I read about Between the Logs, I see him mentioned as Two Logs sometimes, which is also a cool name, Two Logs. It's, it's probably easier than writing or between term, or the translating logs. between. Two Logs. Yeah. And it's guys, something between about Two logs. logs. Yeah. I guess you're always between logs if, you're, if there's two or more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all perspective. So we do have this Wyandotte County heritage, and we can get into all that. There's a, there's a mill here called, that, that we call the Indian Mill. I, I, I hope that we don't have to change that name to something, but maybe we will someday. But it really is a mill that was built for the Wyandots who had supported the Americans during the War of 1812. They did not join with Tecumseh and you know fight against america they joined with the america i mean they were william henry harrison stayed here at fort Faree. they gave up they were quitters <laughs> we'll cut that <laughs> i'm kidding no but yeah uh the, the and so there's all kinds of history there there's a spring that charles dickens drank from that we could talk about maybe he drank from it he at least was here we know that yep oh yeah he, he certainly was here I, I'm not, I have nothing against the Wyandotte uh, First Nations, don't, don't get me wrong. And, and I would love for us to be, I, I would love for us to be more, yeah, what's the word I'm looking at, in tune here, uh, involved, or? Yeah, well, just know more about the Wyandotte. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I, I just know, want to know more. I want, I want to learn the Wyandotte language. Like, I want to, I want to have a, did, did you know that they do a lacrosse turn? Like the, oh yeah, I've the, seen that. The native I, tribes I have. I check out their website ever since you and I'm I. I'm actually on it right now. Yeah. You and I marched yeah. in the parade Gra with them. Graham and I marched in the parade. In 2019, we were, and, and we. In 2019, we weren't protesting back then. We were just uh, happy to be part of the. Yeah, no, 2019, the Wyandotte Indians and who are, are still a very successful tribe in, sure. in Kansas and in Michigan uh, and some in Oklahoma. And they came back because the Methodist Church under, um, you know, under the, the, I think, historical leadership of, is it, it's not Barb Bowman. Who's the Bowman woman that ran that whole thing? I don't know. It, it's Mary Bowen, maybe. Anyway. They came back and and it's been re, um, it, the that church is now owned by the Wyandotte Indians. It's it's been the the church and the church sits on the grounds of the cemetery, and for for context, the the church and the cemetery have been given back to the native population, the yeah, or to the, yeah. the Wyandotte Indians mm -hmm. as uh. It's not to be lived on, but it, but it's been gifted back to them somehow. It's I, been gifted back to them. I, I think that there's a lot going on there. Yeah, um, behind see, the scenes. Of see, that's like, what I I want to know more about that. Like, yeah. What what is the what well, is the purpose? We, and if, if Billy Friend is listening, Chief Billy Friend of the Wyandotte Indians, we'd love to have him on because sure. we were at. I'll, I'll tell you what a beautiful ceremony that was. I'd love to see I, that every. I don't year. know about you. I cried several times at that. Like I wept like a little bit. You probably didn't because you're not an emotional, you know, uh, 
uh, you're not an emotional guy like me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a callous jerk. You're right. No, uh, no, no. I, I, know I cry more than most men I find. No, I probably do too. Um, and I, and I, I wept at a few of those moments where it, it just seemed very much like a joyful day that day. See, I took a different, I took a way different perspective. Well, did that. you, that, because maybe you were paying attention more to that. Uh, the Methodist, the United Methodist ministry that was like here from Georgia. No, oh, yeah. They I were definitely, they had a different slant on it. Like they were playing the subjugation and. They're going to be Methodists. Yes. <laughs> yes. They wanted it to be very much about them. And it, it, I think the Methodist church has done, our local Methodist church has done things to bring that church to what it is now, which is really literally just a little mission church. Who is the Methodist church in upper? It's like the John Stewart United Methodist church. Where is it? It's the big one, right? No, no, no. St. Pete. It's, it's across from my church. It's across from the Presbyterian Oh, is that what church. that one is? Yes. Oh, okay. It's that one. All right. Uh, I, I, so I, I studied the Methodist, uh, church a lot not not studied it a lot but i'd studied that time period and the church is so interwoven into 1810 to 1850 <laughs> yeah, that it is it's it's hard to it's it's hard to it's sometimes hard for me to accept them for face value oh agreed it's and, a whole thing yeah they, they it is a whole thing, thing. so they're they're a part of the story we the wine dots bring in colonel crawford we had a uh, colonel who came here uh, in 1783 and was Revolutionary War. Well, dur- no. Right at the end, it, it was yeah. during the Revolutionary War, but we hadn't signed the Treaty of Paris yet. But Yorktown had already happened, and Colonel William Crawford came here with 300 and some men, and he never made it out. <laughs> no, and, he he did not make it out, and it was a very warm night for him. Yes, Colonel Crawford was burned at the stake. He's the only American uh, military officer who has ever been burned at the stake. <laughs> that crazy, <laughs> and it happened here. That's probably, honestly, the in my mind historically, that's the craziest historical moment that's happened within 10 miles of us and it's probably right about 10 miles from here it honestly it probably is uh yeah i mean because it's 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 pretty intense (laughs) if that would have happened and and if you read the account of how it happened it it was horrible it was a disaster for colonel crawford and his men and i think it it stands it wasn't even for him and his men it was just for him Yeah, true. I yeah, mean, good. Yeah, but well, others died. A lot of, I mean, there yeah, were a sure. lot of people that died, um, but a lot of them ran but, away. But his, for his him, troops abandoned him. Yes, for him, and then uh, for Doctor Knight, who yeah. watched it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Simon Gertie was Simon Gertie. Yep. Th- it, there's a bunch of if you've ever read any of Alan Eckert's books about you know Tecumseh or this area. Uh, the frontiersman Simon Kenton, the, fr- and then the frontiersman, the that frontiersman. Dark, that dark and bloody river has a really good uh, story, or it's a it's a narrative basically inserted into a factual history of. I love the way he writes. Well, it's because it's not true. Well, it <laughs> well, could so be. Th- this it is basically be. a true story, right? 
or, it, or a real story. Alan Eckert's narratives are very similar to what I think we want to talk about. Like our things where it's like Alan Eckert. You, you can, you can extract the fact out like, like For Alan sure. Eckert obviously wasn't around in 1784. So, and, so and he has Simon no, Kenton didn't write a journal. Right, right. But well, what it, if he had? But even <laughs> if those guys, even if those guys did write a journal, it 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 wouldn't be it wouldn't be a script. It'd just be a journal of thoughts. Oh, not yeah. not. And then he said, and then it would honestly be the real story. It'd be the it, real story. Yeah. It'd be the only real story. Yes, because you don't know because what was said is law, and the you know oh. the, the way it was uh, projected oh. is lost to time. That all, that is true. The spoken word is truly lost to time. All every one of them. It's yeah. amazing. It, it's and I think it's an interesting thing about the time we're living in, we're li- that we're living through, that in a lot of ways the spoken word has been preserved. Yeah, recently since maybe nineteen forty. You know, the inflection before, means but, something. Inflection is important. I mean, imagine if we had one clip. Of George Washington's voice. Oh man! I mean, yeah, they would it would change they, what we think of him there, and the way we view him. There'd be an app for that right now. You you could get George Washington to call your mom and oh, like wish her happy birthday. I've always thought that there should be a Morgan Freeman app where if there like probably you, you make someone mad and you you can just send him a text, but then when they open the text, it will be read in Morgan Freeman's voice. There there actually is a there is an app that you can like call people you put in a number and it can be it, it's basically like somebody's there's like an angry man and then there's an uh oh, yeah. angry ex-girlfriend like but not morgan freeman because he hasn't sold those it'll be his like true. grandkids that sell those rights some they don't even have to sell <laughs> his rights because as soon as he's dead they can make a voice that is as close to morgan freeman as they can get oh yeah yeah you just tried to, you, you almost went into I faded out there. You did, yeah. yeah. It's like, no, I'm not going to try to impersonate yeah. no. uh, Morgan Freeman. No, I can't. We also, Neil Armstrong lived here through middle school mm-hmm. and had good friends here, and we could talk and about that. And some enemies. Oh, like every <laughs> middle school kid. Middle yeah. school is like, you know, it, if if hell does exist on earth, it might be middle school. Oh, I, I, if not earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then just a bunch of other stuff, right? We've had some cool businesses downtown. You know, I'd be interested in talking about the San Felice Cigar Factory. Yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about uh, the first national bank. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The Beautiful first national building. bank, the first citizens national bank. Yep. We, you know, I, I'll tell you what I saw a picture of the other day and that I miss is Southside. Southside drive through Southside drive through man. So I, I don't know if you know this, um, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know anything about like the backstory, but he, here's a little bit, and I'm going to tell you right now, I will support the drive through okay? Oh, yeah. The drive through uh, Car- The Upper Sandusky drive through Yes, Car- Car- now Carla's called. Drink and Deli, as it yes. always was growing up. It's Carla's. I still refer to it as Carla's. Oh, yeah. Uh, Carla's sold. And they have good beer, and they're fairly reasonably priced. And look, if you're not from around here, it is a drive-through. Drive-throughs are you drive through it. Drive-throughs are hand you the stuff into your car. Drive-throughs are unique for the Midwest, and and not even the Midwest, all of the Midwest, like the like the Great Lakes Midwest. Yes, yep. it, it's you Ohio, Indiana, through. Michigan. It's you, a barn, and you literally drive into it, 
and you and somebody comes to your window and you say they say what do you want and you <laughs> it's tell a them general exchange between and they bring and it to you and person. you buy it and you drive away you never have to get out of your car it's fantastic yeah it's it's and it's what excitingly i think six years ago they began accepting credit cards and debit cards so yeah, now you don't even have to go get cash before you go there you can just go right there and buy your stuff dude walmart has been trying to do this for five years and kroger has been trying to do this for five years and they can't figure it out right you know how to do it a drive-through you have to have a drive-through they could take away yeah. the pharmacy and probably make yeah, when they're going to make more money on a pharmacy. The pharmacy is where the cash is. But they could have a second drive-through and have it be just groceries. You pull up and say, "Here's my name," and they go, "Here's your order." Yeah. So we've got that. We have some, you know, we've had interesting, um, you know, sports events have happened around here. We have a tell them about the Larue. Indian, oh. to the the Orang Indians. The Orang Indians were uh, an NFL franchise. It started in 1922. Um, I'm not going to give you the full story on them, but Rue, Ohio, holds the unique distinction of being probably the smallest town to ever host a professional sports league team in the world. That's a real story, and it's true. And I'm going to stop you right there because I definitely want to do a full episode on those I, guys. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Uh, John Diebler played basketball here. He's the all-time leading scorer in Ohio. And only if you're from this general area do you realize how big of a thing that was. Uh, <laughs> uh, t- typically, this would be the kind of thing that I would that, like Graham and my friends would look at me and be like, Oh, I bet Brian hates this. <laughs> but let me tell you, I loved it because that guy was good. Oh, I don't care what so school. Good. I don't care what school he went to before here. He moved here. He <laughs> he played his high school yep. basketball here three years. His, his brother was junior. good. Oh, his Jake brother Diebler his brother Jake was fantastic. was fantastic. His dad Keith was a is a great guy. I, I never um, got to meet him personally. I've heard yeah. He and I, he was kind of one of of my mentors when I coached girls basketball. Because shortly after Graham, well, a year after Graham got the job in Wyoming, he moved back here because he got engaged and there was a position available in our school. So yeah, he, that's how it happens around yeah. here. Yeah. So yeah, so we've got that story. Uh, my my dad um, has has some great stories yeah. about pole vaulting in the nineteen sixties and seventies. You know, 69, 70, 71, 72, was a state champion pole vaulter, had a famous coach named Gerald Swankhouse, who has all sorts of great stories. Swank. Swank might need his own podcast, but we're going to do an episode or two at least on Swankhouse. And the, the really, the stories just go on and on. And I feel like we have at least a solid season of podcasts that we can make out of these stories. Yeah, we can, we can get, I don't know, what's a season? 10? Yeah, I we can get 10. a season out of that. We can get uh, a season on, we can get a season standing on our head. Brian and I are going to right now promise you um, I'm not 12 episodes anything. a year. We're going to do 12 yeah. episodes a year. And I'm not promising. Each that. one will tell a real story of this area that we're, that, that we're from. And then, you know, as we get better at this, we'll expand our horizons onto stories from all over the place. I mean, I teach history. You're a historian. We both have degrees in history. 
we've both been interested in this stuff for a long time. So we're just going to get on here and we're going to talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's what it's all about. We're just going to have fun. Yep. We're going to have fun and we hope everyone listening has fun listening and we hope that we learn something and that you guys can learn something from us about this uh, area that we grew up in, in Northern Ohio. We would love to hear from people. If you go to our website, realstoriespodcast.com, you can see a link there to contribute stories to our podcast. We will look through those diligently and try to include anything that we think is relevant and that anyone else would like to hear about. And you can uh, find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts and tell all your friends. Until next time, this is Graham and Brian at The Real Stories Podcast.